Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 990, air date October 22nd, 2021. Hello, everyone. It's Dr. Shiva Ayadure here. We have a great team of uh, incredible uh, firefighters in Boston, and we're going to have a conversation about what we do about to bring working people together and to uh, fight the attack by the elites on working people, which is being manifested by mandates, censorship, a whole range of things, elections being selections. But we were having a conversation and we wanted to invite everyone to participate in this. So let me just bring everyone together. All right, Andy, we have Andy. You guys just wanted to say your names and where you're from? Yeah. Hi, I'm Andy, I'm from, oh God. Go ahead, Andy. Yeah, Andy Pachanko, I'm a paramedic firefighter at Agnes Fire Department. I am unvaccinated and plan to stand that way. Who else? Uh, Lieutenant Jake Duchesne from Agawam Fire. Same as Andy. Hi, Lieutenant. Plan to stay that way. Darren Trevor, same here. Um, I think uh, personalized medicine is the way to go. Yep. One, one who doesn't fit everything. Uh, Josh Farrows. Uh, I work for Agawam Fire. Um, currently unvaccinated. Uh, mostly concerned about precedent right now and uh where this country is kind of going with all these mandates so great and then we have um we have anyone else so so what i think we were talking about is we were talking about why so how do we you know i think we have to step back and we were having a conversation about the right perspective on this because without the right perspective we're going to make decisions that we think we're going to support this party or that party or do this action, and it may not have the right effect. So one of the most important things is to have a the right foundation of how to even look at this problem. So what I was sharing was, if, if we go back to the 1800s in the United States, or for that matter, globally, but the American working class is the most powerful, in many ways, the most uh, powerful working class on the planet. And I say this not out of some nationalist reasons, but out of just the objective facts that the American working class had the First Amendment, these were had, and the, and the Second Amendment. And so in the 1800s, in the mid-1800s, is when working people were being completely abused in this country. For that matter, all over the world, it was we were going from the agrarian era to the industrial era. And that gave rise to a massive movement. And Lowell, Massachusetts, right here, Massachusetts was the center of that movement because Lowell was the center of the Industrial Revolution. So you had women starting to organize, you know, for basically the 10 hour workday, right? Men trying to fight for basic rights. And that movement by 1886 uh, had grown like in Haymarket where four American workers were hanged for fighting for, for example, the eight hour workday. And a lot of this has been completely taken out of American history. In commemoration of those workers who were hanged, a lot of other workers all over the world commemorated that as May Day which people may not know, International Workers' Day. It wasn't a communist holiday. It was to commemorate those four American workers who put their life on the line to fight for the interests of other people. So anyway, by the 1900s, those movements had grown even more explosively. And so when the depression hit, Franklin Delano Roosevelt literally had a gun put to, to his head in the sense working people were rising up. They wanted infrastructure. They wanted better schools. They wanted the elimination of child labor. They wanted hygiene, water systems. Um, public school, all, everything we have today came from those working class movements. 
because the working class movement scared the hell out of the elites. And in response to that, they gave all of those things. So, so if you look at the measles infectious rate in 1900, it was around 14 out of 100,000 people. By 1948, it had dropped down to around, you know, I think, you know, 0.1 out of 100,000. 98.5% of the measles infant mortality in those 40 years had, was completely gone. 15 years before, or 18 years even before the vaccine came. So how did we get all those gains? It was infrastructure, right? Clean water, right? Hygiene, sanitation. That's what really brought, increased public health. Uh, the the plumber and the elect the plumber and the sanitation worker did more for bringing down infectious disease rates than did the pharmacist or the doctor, and this has been completely forgotten by American his you know in American history you know in, in my view uh, purposely forgotten, but those working class movements, firefighters you know police all these people plumbers everyone rose up to fight for their people's rights. And so during 1940, 1980, the unions were truly bottoms up unions at that time. And the American pie grew for everyone, right? We had the pie growing for whether you made $10,000 a year or whether you made a million dollars a year. The pie grew uh, for everyone across the United States. But in the 1950s, the elites did something fascinating, the right wing and the left wing. The right wing said, if you ever said workers unite and you wanted to build a bottoms up movement, we would brand that as communist, socialist, quote unquote, Marxist, as though Russia was leading those movements. So that scared a lot of working people from building these organic movements. And the Democratic Party took over these movements and they built top down unions. So what you had is you, you, you we lost all the organic nature of our movements and they become in some ways organic to GMO, you know, genetically engineered movements top down. So by 1980, most of the unions were taken over by the top down. There was no really bottoms up movement. So if you look between 1940, 1980, close to 100 million workers struck in this country fighting for their rights. And that's when the American pie grew. But between 1980 to today, we only had maybe 2 million people participate in strikes because all these unions basically colluded with the elites. So where we are at today, the reason I'm giving you that historical background is where we're at today is at a point in American history where 22.8% of American workers are out of business right now, out, out of work. The real, it's not three, three or 6%, it's 22.8. When you include all those people who are below the poverty line, you know, who are making below 20,000, and you eliminate people who have jobs less than like 35 hours. That's a real unemployment rate. The, because we stopped fighting over the last 50 years for our rights, there's two American pies now. One American pie for the 5%, and then the other American pie for the 95%. And over the last 50 years, $47 trillion of wealth got taken from everyday people and transported upwards. So in my view, and I think the right perspective here is to recognize the jab mandates, the censorship, the elections being selections, these three things, the anti-democratic efforts are basically going back to slavery. It's basically telling you, I own you. And this has been occurring throughout history, right? Where you have working people who try to get their rights, they make some gains, those in power want to beat them back down. This has been a pendulum that's been going back and forth. And in my view, where we're at right now is the oppression of the Amer not only the American worker, but the world working class. Because in the 1900s, 
not only did the American workers rise up, the Russian workers were rising up, the Indian workers. And by the way, that's when a pandemic came too. Remember the Spanish flu pandemic? Right when working people rise up, it seems like a pandemic shows up. In the United, in, in the world in 19, 2019, is two, two years ago, is when, you know, 20, 30 million people all over the world were striking against corruption, other governments, if you remember that, right? People in China were striking, people in France, and then the pandemic comes and boom, all of it's gone. And in my view, we have to look at this economically but the, because the global elites have created an economic condition with these low interest rates, you know, uh, reducing wages. When you look at the real wages of people that they need, they know that something's going to happen bottoms up and to suppress that they suppress speech, tell people we own you. That's what these, the muzzles and the jabs really are about. They really have nothing to do with public health because if you cared about public health, you would put in infrastructure. But Massachusetts, as you guys know, the infrastructure got an F minus minus by the American Society of Civil Engineers. The US infrastructure got a D minus rating. So here we have MIT, the number one engineering ins institution. We have 50,000 bridges all over the country that are breaking down, right? You have, go to, so, it's infrastructure which leads to public health. So I wanted to share this, you know, as we talk more about what we can do for working people here, firefighters, you know, we have Amtrak workers. So what the movement that we're creating now goes to the heart of this issue, which is working people need to unite and recognize that the symptoms that we're seeing with the jab mandates and the muzzle mandates and the what we're uncovering about elections um, you know, turning everyone to be a racist, right? Getting blacks and whites to fight against each other. These are part of a larger program because the elites have created an unsustainable economy that only works for them, not for everyone else. And they do not want working people coming together. So they, they've created enough, you know, problems that we're fighting among each other and not coming together. So, um, so every Monday evenings, you know, we started doing a course where we bring people and train them on these fundamentals because without history, no one knows which way to go. Then we've started literally through this movement, started saying we need to reorganize bottoms up movements, which means whether you're a plumber, whether you're an electrician, whether you're an engineer, we need to all come together, whether you're black or white, left or right. So the slogan is beyond left or right, beyond black and white, working people unite for truth, freedom and health. Legislation ain't going to do it because all these politicians are bought and paid for. On the fundamental issues we've noticed here when we expose election fraud here in Massachusetts, when we found out that Harvard has created this whole censorship infrastructure, what fundamentally happened was it got too hot for the judge to even handle. He just wanted to put me back on Twitter and thought I'd be happy with that. So the only way forward is we have to unite and we have to educate our neighbors. Um, that is not about just the jab. What the jab represents is I own you. It's about power, profit, and control. In the old days, if you worked for a king, you couldn't go from his kingdom to another because you owed him money, right? Your movement was stopped. Well, that's what these mandates are all about. It's about controlling people. So anyway, I, I, you know, given that perspective, I think we were just talking, I think, Andy, you were saying, or one of you was saying, you know, we, we should link with other workers groups and we need to rebuild a movement. And it's not going to happen overnight now because the elites pitted us against each other. All of these politicians are frankly scumbags. OK, they they I mean, you have a bunch of these guys who are in 2020. They were for the jab mandates. Now they're saying, oh, yeah, I'm for against vaccine mandates. Right. 
because and they'll they'll after they get into office they'll screw us all. So we have to recognize we have to build a movement, and it's neighbor to neighbor. And to your point earlier that you were saying, you know, people have the reality of they, you know, not everyone can just hang out and talk about this stuff. You have jobs, you have salary, you have to put food on the table, right? So, you know, Delta Airlines is fascinating, right? Only 10% of the workers there struck, or were going to strike, or, or raising hell on this. And the CEO got afraid, right? He said, okay, okay, I'm going to forget about it. Um, in Australia, the construction workers said, screw you to their unions, because they realized their unions were part of the problem. And so whenever you see working people starting to recognize that they move beyond left and right, that they cannot be controlled by uh, the establishment forces, that's when a movement takes off. So I think we need to understand that. Someone just wrote, it's, it's not a movement, it's clean house. <laughs> In some ways it's true, but go ahead guys. I've, I've sort of shared the perspective on here, but Andy, anyone else? So I think we agree with just about everything you said. It's just a matter of how do we move forward at this point? You know, um, yeah. we can talk to those of us around us, but without some real momentum in the eyes of some people, it's hard for others to, to jump on board. And that's kind of where we're at. Like, how do we, how do we put that foot forward? Is there anything really to be done before precedent is set? Like with the Los Angeles fire department, or well, even looking at, say, religious exemptions, who's going to be playing God to decide if you're religious enough to be exempted? Yeah. You know, at what point is this pharma fascist new society just going to weigh everybody down where people are losing their homes? And it's, I mean, we've already seen thousands of people around New England, right? Maine just lost to SCOTUS. They tossed it right back out, right? Mass State Police. What what is it that's going to let these guys be successful with a religious exemption or what what else is in their quiver? Well, I, I think that's what. And what was your name again? I'm sorry. I'm Terry. Sorry. Hi, I'm Terry, sorry. Oh, hi. So, Terry, that's why I'm saying we need to go back to recognize a couple of very simple principles. Right. If. Nurses don't show up to hospitals. Things don't work. If electricians don't work, and you don't even need everyone, 10%. And what's happened is the value of working people is being diminished. What we're seeing is, is a final test. Will working people come together or will they be subdued by fear and fascism? And, and if you look back at history, history always shows that we have to build a movement. Now, what's happened historically is you have the establishment and the establishment over the last 50 years has been very clever. They create what's called the not so obvious establishment. So in the vaccine movement, they had this guy called Robert Kennedy. Kennedy talked a good game, but he was just funneling everything to the Democrats. He supported Hillary. He endorsed her three times. She's pro vaccine mandates, etc. In every one of these movements, you will find, and people need to learn this. And we teach this. If you look at the civil rights movement in this country, there was a real bottoms up need to, to build infrastructure in the inner cities for poor blacks and poor whites. Well, the Kennedys went and got Martin Luther King. Well, Martin Luther King was a highly compromised individual, if you go look at his background. And they pushed him as ahead of the movement. 
And what did we get out of civil rights? Don't use the N word and affirmative. If you do affirmative action, then, then you're not a racist, right? But it never built infrastructure in the inner cities. The average conditions of a black person literacy rate is less than before civil rights. So the establishment finds these bogus people to put forward. And what they do is they, they keep people thinking, oh, this guy's going to take care of it. So in New Jersey, for example, when I got, I mean, I've been in the health movement for years and I got into the vaccine stuff and I said, everywhere Robert Kennedy went, he kept losing. This is a hard thing for people to understand. He lost in Albany, he lost in New York, uh, New York, California. New Jersey, my hometown, a lot of the mothers invited me to go there. And I said, look, we need to build a bottoms up movement. We need to raise hell. 5,000 people showed up. We scared the hell out of those legislators. They didn't touch the religious exemption. And Kennedy and this guy, Big Tree, were in the back room saying, oh, Sheba's going to upset the Democrats, who we need to have backroom discussions with. You see, the establishment creates a not so obvious establishment to funnel anger off the streets to say, let's do a negotiation backroom. And you always get sold out. This is the physics of why we're here today. People have put their faith in their, quote unquote, leadership, right? The, most of the union leadership in this country sold out working people. Otherwise, we wouldn't be in this situation. So what we've seen over 70 years is a selling out of the American working class. So that's the first principle people need to understand. Without under, Look, I, I, I believe this is true. I believe members of Congress and the United States Postal Service cannot be governed by the mandates. Do you guys know this? I have to check this out. Yeah. I have a friend that works at the post office distribution center in Springfield. There's... They have to wear masks, but they're not mandated for so, any So shops. why is that? So so there's some, th and then members of Congress don't need to come under this, right? So the <laughs> fundamental issue is the powerful position you're in is you guys are first responders. The, the people need you. So you have a huge opportunity to show leadership. And what I've created and our movements created is those tools so you can... Uh, deploy yourselves and become educators and leaders among your community. That's what needs to be done. And that doesn't need to be, it's not going to happen overnight because we haven't been fighting for 70 years. The union told us not to fight, not to strike, not to do this, not to do this. Everything's hunky dory. Right. And so it's basically made us fat, dumb and happy. So we need to now start rebuilding our uh, political muscles again. That's where we're at. So the first thing that needs to happen is number one, people need to get the right political theory very clear, number one, which is how we got here, how movements were won, and what we need to do. Like, that needs to be clear. Second, we need to start educating people, our neighbors, in particular your local firefighters, you know, your brother firefighters and sisters, is A, look, we're under this theory that one size fits all, right? So the entire vaccine model is based on a 1915 understanding of the immune system. But the reality is the immune system is a very complex system. What you need versus what I need or someone else's need is very different. So we've created these little cards. You can educate people on that. So we need to have that discussion. We set up open houses to educate people. I'm a big proponent of we need to educate people. One educated person who gets this equivalent to an army of a million people. One uneducated person won't get it because you won't be able to articulate it. You won't be able to argue. You won't be able to fight back. You won't have your arsenal. So that's the first thing we need to do. Obviously, on the, you know, I, I just got off the phone with a lawyer 
you know, they're fight, they're trying to come at it from the constitutional perspective, right? The religious exemptions and the medical exemptions, because of that Supreme Court ruling, I think in 19 something on smallpox, they keep referring to that as their precedent setting case. But I think there's a completely different approach to do this legally. But legal things take time, right? I think the immediate thing that everyone can do is organize people. So what we've done on the Truth, Freedom and Health platform, we've started creating hubs of different unions for first responders. For, for I mean, there's a bunch of Amtrak workers who have come to us, the MBTAT workers, right? And we need to bring people together, not just in any one group, but these working groups need to come together. They need to have their own leadership and they need to, we need to educate people. So to do that, we've created these little flashcards, we've created flyers, and they're all online and we can show them to you um, on a follow-up. But the movement we're creating is to educate people. Once you don't have freedom, you can't get to truth and you can't get to health. And without health, we're screwed. And ultimately, public health comes from infrastructure. And I think that's what we can show in Massachusetts. Okay, you want me to get jab? You want me to wear a mask? That means you care about public health. I may disagree with you, but where did public health come from? It came from infrastructure. Massachusetts has an F minus minus in infrastructure. So if you care about public health, let's fix up the infrastructure. And we don't have that. I, so I think that's how we break the, the, the barrier of the pro-vax, anti-vax, pro-mask, anti-mask. Because if you go to a high school, it was just found out most of the ventilation systems don't work. Most of the HVAC systems don't work properly. So if you want to stop, quote unquote, an infectious disease, put, you know, put a filter in the HVAC system and put some UV in. But they won't do that because they don't have the money because the politicians have stolen most of the money. And that's why the infrastructure is is the worst in the country. I think Massachusetts infrastructure is the top third worst in the entire United States. So we need to educate people. And from an organizational standpoint, even my theories, even if 10% get organized, that's going to be significant. The, the a friend of mine is one of the uh, directors of HR for one of the largest public airline places. And she said, every airline that doesn't move or airplane, that's anywhere between $100,000 to $250,000 issues. So working people ultimately have all the power. And I think we need to educate people. They have the power. We need to educate people. They need to stand together. And we need to educate people on what these vaccines are about, that it's not the one size fits all. 10% seems like a reasonable number, and it's, it's motivational. It's not like, uh, it's not too much, you know? Well, I, I can tell you this. The elites are most afraid of when working people organize. It scares the shit out of them. It really does, because they've never seen it occur before. They've spent so much time keeping people separated. And just the fact that, I, I'll tell you this, even if, 50 firefighters, even 20 firefighters showed up at the South Street station distributing a flyer, were against it, or that would be impactful because they haven't seen that before. They'll say, wait a minute, if 10 firefighters are doing that, that means you're going to get the next time 50, and the next time there may be 100. So the, the, the physical going out of people coming together, going out on the street and interacting with people. People have lost that activism. That's old school. Old school was a simple flyer. You got up and you went into a crowded area and you talked to people. And because of the prestige that I think firefighters you guys have, that I think you can garner that support. 
because you have that. I think I think it's hard sometimes when you're in the jobs that you do to forget the amount of immense um, respect people have for you guys. And you have to you have to leverage that, in my view. It's that's your that's your biggest asset because people know, wow, if there's a fire, these guys are going to come help me. Right. It's not going to be a politician. It ain't going to be Charlie Baker. It ain't going to be uh, it ain't going to be Fauci who's going to be at my house. It's you guys. And I think we need to leverage that. And I would suggest that we should. Um, and this is what we're encouraging people to do. We should figure out something where we can go to a place where a lot of the firefighters hang out. We have a flyer educating them, right? Or bring more people into an open house and educate them on what is, because paramedics study medicine, right? They understand. I mean, they're pretty smart guys. You guys study. I think it'd be pretty easy to train people. And I'm willing to do that if we want to do that. Get five people in, 10 people in, 20 people in. And then we go out on the street one day and hand out flyers. Not something terrorist, right? Educate. And people see that. We bring more people in. And this is something that can be done reasonably fast. But I think we're waiting to think something else is going to happen. And that waiting, we're losing time. So the, so the, what's that? It's funny how governments seem to get stronger. I know you mentioned Spanish flu. Um, it, you know, it's all just seems very coincidental. And it's just a nice opportunity for them to seize power. And even in clinical psychology, that's kind of like my interest on the side. Um, it's, it's just proven that when people are afraid, government gets stronger and the government is going to do tyrannical things like totalitarian you know, movements such as a mandate. Um, yeah. And the, and the election and the election issue and the the medical freedom issue is totally linked because at Harvard in 2018, they created a playbook with the people from Twitter legal, the people from Facebook, with the people from the state election directors. And now you have the Surgeon General who's also using that. It's literally called a playbook, volume one and two. And it says, this is how you identify someone who's a influence operator, a threat to elections, a threat to, quote unquote, the health establishment. You, it's, it has like a manual, like a standardized operating procedure. This yeah, is nice how you identify protocol. them. What's that? A nice little protocol. It's a protocol. And in our lawsuit, we discovered that. And then we presented it. The judge freaked out. Well, most of the people who stayed in there, all the people at the Harvard Belfer Center. So that's why I say we need to really go into this with our eyes wide open now. We have lost the First Amendment. It does not exist anymore. It doesn't. We've also been declawed. I know, like in, in a sense, we're not pursuing violence or anything. But at the same time, I've, I've listened to your lectures on on Gandhi, and I thought that was fascinating. How he was kind of put in place to squash a movement, and it was very successful. Yeah, yeah. So if you look at Gandhi, so I I use that to teach people about the not so obvious establishment in every movement, in election integrity and racism. They have Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson who mislead black people, right? And then once in a while, you have some white liberal at Harvard. We'll talk some nonsense, right? Telling people to go to BLM, right? None of these movements ever address the real issues of racism. The real issues of racism are splitting, pe putting people into boxes. If you're a black person, you should talk like this. If you're a white person from the South, you must be a racist. If you're an Indian guy, you must move your head left to right and not be aggressive, right? They put people into, and if you step out of that, we'll beat the hell out of you. So that's the, the thing on racism. On every one of these issues, they figured out some guy to be the hero in that. So Gandhi, like you point out, is like the master of the not so obvious establishment. He was brought into 
romanticize getting your head kicked in. It's like in insanity, right? It all sounds good. They always make it sound beautiful and a lot of literature makes it sound good, right? But at the end of the day, these guys are used to mislead working people. So they don't really rise up on their own. That's what happened in India. Working people were rising up. They wanted a good revolution. Gandhi was hijacked in. And essentially the Indian elites controlled India for the next 70 years. I would also argue, you know, I voted for Trump, supported him. But at the end of the day, over the last four years, he didn't do anything to Hillary. He, he didn't do anything to Fauci. He supported, he did for big pharma what Trump did for big, big banks. And at the end of the day, he told those young people to go over to the Capitol. He goes, I will walk with you. And he went the other way. So who got locked up were his supporters. So whatever ended up making that happen, at the end of the day, where we are today is in a worse situation now. Yeah, I, I like a lot of what he did. I just was not a fan of operational work speed. That was just, you know, I did not see yeah. that happening. Um, well, the, the reason that happened is, and again, this way we need to educate people. Most people don't know that pharmaceutical companies have been losing revenue for the last 10 years. The entire farm... I don't, this is what I'm saying. People don't know what's, if you, the big elephant, I mean, we could talk about conspiracy theory and, you know, people talk about graphene oxide and bots. The simpler reason is, is follow the money for the last, if you look at Pfizer's revenue in 2012, it was 65 billion. Now it's around 40 billion. They've lost 25 billion in revenue. It's a lot of money to research these things. And some of them don't, a lot of them don't work out. Exactly. So. Right. So, and the, you, you, so there, the pharmaceutical research model, takes around 15 years to find a drug. They have to kill a lot of animals. They have to do all this clinical testing and pharmaceutical companies can be sued and their patent life is for 20 years. So they're not finding any new drugs. That's what's going on. FDA is not allowing their new drugs because of the side effects. Vaccines are not a drug. They're called a biologic. They don't need to go through as much testing. They're growing at 17% per year and you can't sue a vaccine manufacturer. So here, pharmaceutical companies are burning to the ground. This is what people need. This is the biggest elephant in the room. Pharmaceutical companies are tanking. They need vaccines as their way out. So that's what's they're moving from like the airplane or the railroad to the airplane. The difference is, imagine airplanes, if an airplane fell out of the sky, you can't sue the airplane company. Okay, that's what's happened with vaccines. So you so these drug manufacturers now are moving to vaccine manufacturing because their trillion dollar industry is burning to the ground. So we need to explain this to people. They're not being motivated by public health. It's total BS. If you want public health, fix the roads. If you want public health, fix the water systems. I mean, I get my Belmont bill and it says in there, well, you know, be careful, there's lead in your water, okay? So we're not addressing public health issues. We're doing all the showmanship because the politicians are all corrupt. I mean, you, not real solutions, just things that sound nice. Right. Yeah. It's a popularity contest. It's a, it's, it's a popularity contest. And now you even have people on the quote unquote, the right saying, oh yeah, I'm against mandates. I'm against it because they want to get elected. So they're creating a left, right narrative. It's really not frankly about mandates. It's not about, it's really about the fact working people in this country are being decimated in a very fundamental way. And this is like the last part of it. I'm going to own you. That's my view on this whole thing. If we don't see it as working, people need to unite. Today, it'll be the jab. Tomorrow, it'll be something else. It'll be something else and something else. So we need to get our heads really clear around this. And I think you guys stand in an amazing position because of the jobs that you guys have. You have tremendous respect. 
and you're on the ground every day. And I think it's an opportunity to educate people. So we have tools. I think we should map this out. And, I, you know, we should really, we, we have uh, the nurses coming to us. We had 2,000 nurses who showed up in went, went, uh, Maine, you know. So we have people wanting to fight, but I think they need the right framework and they need to see other people out there doing it. And I think that's when a movement will come. And we don't need the controlled opposition. It's not going to happen by a billionaire or a celebrity or any of these guys. It's going to happen by us. So that's really the, it's really a mental leap. You know, yeah, I, I, you know it, it'd be easy if you could sit one-on-one -on -one with people and converse with them and really, you know, break things down and try to have a conversation or dialogue. But, um, you know, it's just more difficult these days. People don't have time and it just, you know, it's very convenient how the working class is affected by that. They're, they're too busy to educate themselves or, you know, they don't have the energy or the resources yeah. to, you know, to pursue those things. And so, of course, what they're being fed is what they see on TV or whatever the most convenient headline is. And so there is no, you know, well, going on. well, our movement exists. You see, the reason I built this movement is because I've been a student of politics all my life. Some of you guys know I came from uh, India, which had an oppressive caste system. I studied engineering, but I've been oh, I was always a ground activist. And I felt you have to create a, a curriculum. You have to study this like a science. And but people don't have a lot of time. So what we've done is we've been able to distill this every Monday evenings. We have 100, 200 people on and people. Can, so we have we train people. Then we've created a community of other working people because you need to have a community. Otherwise, people feel like they're alone. And then you, you need to encourage people not to just have this all in their head, but get on the ground. And we teach people how to talk, how to articulate. That is what that is what needs to be done. And my view is you don't need a lot of those people. If you I, I literally believe you have probably 50 good firefighters on the ground in Massachusetts, even 20 who got this. It's game, set, match. It's over. Because 20 good people who get this will be able to politicize other people because the facts you hear are black and white. They're not even like gray. It's one size, right medicine for the right person at the right time. That's even where modern medicine started moving to in 2003. Number two is that if this is about public health, well, then why don't you build our infrastructure? Why did the big dig take this, this long to do? Right? Friends of mine told me we're working on a big dig. Three trucks of cement would come through only one got used, the other two, they didn't know where it went, okay? The level of corruption on building infrastructure is insane. So infrastructure and health are like this. So if you want health, build our infrastructure. And that's that's a solution. So people say, oh, these guys just aren't arguing. No, we want public health. Build our infrastructure. So I think we offer people a solution and we educate and we organize working people. And we give people um, dignity for the fact what they're doing is what drives the world. And so I would recommend, you know, all of you guys, um, you know, we can do a huddle at our building in Cambridge if you want. And uh, we have, you know, it's, it's something um, I think we're, we're, at a, we're at a very historic point in time that this is what is, is needed. Seems very crucial. It's like a tilting point. Yep. The we have two paths that we can pursue, and I, I do think that we got to play. Yeah. So I, I would, I would suggest let's get a bunch of your brother and sister firefighters together. We'll bring, um, come on Monday evening. We have an open house. We do, but we got to get on the ground. We got to get on the ground so people see there's people like you guys.
there's you know educating people wanting to do the right thing and then others will come so that's what needs to be done and i'm you know i'm really struck by how our narrative is that like our, our understanding of medicine per, per se like it proceeds from like a false um, premise which is that we know like a great deal about the body and we have all these useful interventions and, and sure like pre give credit where credit's due like we do know quite a bit we've come a long way um but in actuality like what we have is a lot of interventions where sometimes we know what one of their effects is and we very rarely understand the spectrum of collateral consequences and like why they are what they are and like all these systems are linked together and nobody's tracking the long-term implications of anything and so we have like the success is focused on the things that we can focus on like a short time scale like a little band-aid and that's just not how i think medicine should be practiced you, you nailed it look the so there's one of the things we um, educate people on is recognizing there are two medical systems we have right now the crisis management medical system someone gets shot something awful happens to them western medicine is phenomenal at that thank you darren was that darren yeah yeah look forward to meeting but, uh, you soon we'll, we'll follow up again okay so we have the crisis care management which is surgery, antibiotics, right? God forbid something horrible happens. You want that medical system. The other medical system is prevention, where you build up what's called resilience. And that medical system is not what Western medicine is founded on. Western medicine was founded on wartime medicine, which is not a bad thing. You, a soldier gets hit, uh, hurt, the goal is to put him back on. So it's like first responder type medicine, right? A crisis has already occurred. But the other medicine is where you're trying to it's a long-term process, right? What you eat, how you take care of your body, do you get enough sleep, right? Understanding the body is a system. And what's happened is the modern uh, approach to that public health has not taken care of that. That's why you have 35% of kids who are obese right now, right? This generation will live less than the previous generation. So that requires infrastructure, training, right? The right food systems, et cetera. So that's been diminished. Now, obviously, the elites like Hillary Clinton will eat organic food. They have their beautiful farms, guaranteed, okay? they I'm sure most of these people eat really well, and I, I used to know a lot of them, okay, living out in Malibu, okay? But they will easily have promote the other medicine. So one rule for them, another rule for everyone else. And we need to communicate that to people. So, you know, when you look at, to your point, when you look at the immune system here, right, this is the two-box model, as you were referring to, um, of the immune system where, and this is a 1915 model of the immune system. You get a pathogen, you get the innate, and then you get antibodies. So the intervention was, I'm just gonna jab you to get this and you're done. But the reality is this is really a much more modern view of the immune system. It's not just these two boxes. You have your gut microbiome, you have the interferon system, you have your neural system. You have We have 380 trillion viruses we carry around with us. This is the 21st century model of the immune system. This is actually the 19th century model. And the well, vaccine- Fauci doesn't know anything about that. What's that? Fauci doesn't know anything about that. Well, he he does know about this, but he's gonna push this. Yes, okay? exactly. So, 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 but, and the problem is, um, you know, in 2020, I was the first one to call out Fauci and I, I got a call from the chief economic advisor in the White House and he said, Shiva, Trump is just listening to Fauci. He goes, please do more videos educating the public. That's why I started doing that. 
But, you know, one person can't do this on our own. I mean, we've created a lot of content, but it's time that you guys, because you're first responders, can educate people. And we, you know, we have the tools to do that. So I would suggest we huddle, bring as many other working people together. We do that sooner than later and then figure out how we go among people and plan some, if it's a protest or if it's an event where we all huddle somewhere where a lot of people are and we pass out flyers and educate and then invite those people again. It's gotta be, we go on the ground, invite people to get educated. That's why the slogan is get, get educated or be enslaved. The good news is our movement exists. That's the best thing I can tell you. Our movement exists. If it didn't exist, I would say we'd be totally screwed because there is no alternative people have. They, you know, they would have to follow XYZ Gandhi, the modern Gandhi who would mislead them or just sit in quiet desperation. We got to go on the ground. Very grateful. And I agree that we need to raise awareness. And I think that that opens up a lot of doors for us. Yeah. And to, we have about, you know, 400 people here listening to everyone listening. We have um, Boston's finest first responders here who are being mandated these jabs. And they're starting to really think about how you fight back in a very sincere way, how they protect their families, how they protect the public. And I think this is all good. It's just to explosively grow this. We got to get on the ground and, and get educated and then go educate other people. It's the only way. There's no shortcut. There's no one lawsuit that's going to do this. There's no one, you know, election that's going to do this. We have to go on and start to educate people. Well, we're not afraid of a little bit of work. So. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's, I'll have Crystal follow up. So let's get together soon. Okay. All right. Thank you, Dr. Shiva. Okay. Thank you. Great. Thank you for all your service to the community and all the great work you guys do. Thank you. You as well. Thank you. Be well. Bye-bye. Take care.